Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Concluding the series today, the series called Run With Horses. Um, and I want to share this message with you entitled, Neither Shot Nor Mar- Married. It comes from um, an American novelist who was born in the 1920s. Who, her name was Flannery O'Connor. And she, she said this. She said that she had an aunt that uh, once said and, and, and believed that nothing happened in a story unless by the end of it somebody was either shot or married. So if, if no one gets shot and no one gets married by the end, then it's pretty much a worthless story. And we come to the end of the book of Jeremiah, and what we want is a definitive end. We want to tie a bow around this, this gift. We want to wrap it all up neatly, and we want to say, okay, right, now let's see how Jeremiah is vindicated. He's been excluded and reviled and, and, uh, and persecuted for so long. We finally want to see the great Jeremiah vindicated at the top of the hill, sitting in luxury. Everybody understands that he was right all along. And so we want that definitive end, this hero of faith to be vindicated and for everything to work according to plan. I don't know if you've ever watched a movie that leaves things hanging. Like they don't give you a definitive ending. It's infuriating. It's like uh, watching, I don't know, those of you that remember uh, watching um, the movie, um, uh, what was the name of the movie? With Leonardo DiCaprio in the dream, um, uh, Inception, that's it, Inception. So, so in the movie Inception, he goes into a dream. And by the end of the movie, everything works out well. By the end of the movie, he's with his family in this beautiful home, this beautiful space. But we're not 100% sure, is he dreaming or is this reality? We want it to be reality. And the only way to know is if he spins a little spinning top, if the top falls over, then it means that it's real. And if it doesn't, it means it's just a dream. And so they spin the spinning top and all of us wait with bated breath for that spinning top to fall down onto the table so that we can have our definitive end. And the movie ends with the spinning top just simply spinning. I don't know about you, but I wanted to direct message Leonardo DiCaprio after watching that movie. First of all, saying, how could you do this to us? We wasted three hours of our lives to have no ending, first of all. And secondly, uh, you know, can you just tell us, is it a dream or was it reality? It was an infuriating end to that movie, but that feeling that we have is very much symptomatic of how we live life. It's also, in many ways, the source of religion, as far as religion is just a man-made construct or rules and regulations, formulas that we follow, a mathematical equation that we adopt and apply. Ultimately, we want definitives. We want things to be sorted. We don't want mystery. We don't want there to be something that we haven't figured out. We don't want there to be question marks. We don't want there to be tensions. We just want maths. We want geometry. We want trigonometry. We want straight lines and sharp angles. We want statistics. Ultimately, what we want is maths and not Jesus. And we want this precisely because we don't really want to live by faith. We're tired of trusting God in the midst of the unknown. In the face of hardship and uncertainty, calamity, what we want is certainty, not trust. We want God to give us that prophecy, that word, that answer that says this is, you know, I've even seen some people saying God says, and people have been prophesying saying that coronavirus is going to end in two weeks, two weeks and two days and 30 seconds. We want the exact minute 
that this pandemic is going to end. We want the exact moment. We want to know how long is this going to last rather than trusting that God is ultimately going to work all things together for good and trusting in him for our own lives. We followed the journey of Jeremiah, a man that was called by God from a young age to speak on God's behalf in a desperate attempt to get Israel to turn back to God. Israel had had two really evil kings in Manasseh and Ammon, and, uh, and they imported all kinds of sorcery and all kinds of pagan worship and all kinds of idolatry into the land of Israel. And both of them pass away, and a young boy king, Josiah, takes the throne at the age of eight years old. And one of his first things that he does, he has this innocent spirit within him. One of the first things that he does is that he orders a repair of the temple. And in the repair, they find a scroll, an old scroll. And they hand it to the secretary of the king, and he goes to the king and he reads it. And it ended up being the book of Deuteronomy. It ended up being a word spoken by Moses in the plains of Moab as the people of God, as Israel were going to move into the promised land. They're moving into the promised land. And Abraham says this, sorry, Moses says, this is the covenant that we have. He says, this is is how we're going to honor God. This is how we're going to live in relationship to him. This is how God wants you to trust in him. And he, he shares this great speech on the plains of Moab. And, and when the secretary reads out the words of the book of Deuteronomy to, uh, to, to Josiah, Josiah is moved. He's cut to the heart. He tears his clothing, which, is a, which was a symbolic of repentance in those days, sorrow over sin. And all of a sudden, he institutes reform across Israel. And the, the pagan worship is, is, is ended and the, and the occultic shrines are broken down and, and there's this reform and there's a great vibe in Israel. All of a sudden, everybody's positive again. Uh, the, the King Josiah is turning our fortunes around. The economy is, is looking up and, and, and things are looking better and the temple's being restored and people are coming back to God and, and, and there's this great positive vibe. Except God isn't so positive about the reform. Because what God knows, the Bible says that God looks at things differently. Where man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. And even though there was societal reform, even though there was behavioral modification, even though on the outside things looked like they were going better, on the inside, people weren't truly turning to faith. They weren't truly having a relationship with God from the inside. They were, they were only transforming on the outside. And so God sends Jeremiah to speak this message. And it's the same message that God still speaks to us. I don't want your hollow actions. I don't want you to change your behavior on the inside, on the outside. What I want is you to trust in me. And from the inside, there's a transformation that happens as we walk with Jesus. And this is what God wants for us. He wants inner reform. He wants heart change. So while everybody is shouting, we're fine, we're doing fine, everyone's fine, everything's great. Our country is better than ever. Jeremiah Keep standing up and going, uh, no, you're not. You're not okay. Things are not okay. There is more. You need to turn to God with all of your heart. Through this, Jeremiah becomes hated. He becomes ridiculed. Um, they, they give him nicknames. He's known as danger everywhere, Jeremiah. Terror on every side, Jeremiah. Always coming with his, with his negativity. His countrymen, his political leaders, even the high priest takes Jeremiah and locks him in the stocks to humiliate him. At one point, he's thrown into a cistern, uh, which is like a really deep well, and he's left there, and he nearly starves to death. He is not well-liked in his own country. 
And Jeremiah didn't like this. It wasn't like he reveled in this and said, oh, thank you, God, that I get to suffer for you. No, he hated this. And he often went to God with his complaints. He begged for it to be different. But in his prayers, in his honest walk with God, his perspective was always renewed. And as his perspective was renewed, um, he, his, his values were reestablished. And God said, now I want you to run with horses. Now I want you to keep moving forward. Now I want you to keep getting up day after day. And God became his delight. God became his source of strength. God became, it doesn't matter what other people were saying. Before God, he was, he was strengthened. And so he went out every day to do what God called him to do. In 587 BC, Babylon arrive. And they end up taking most of the influential people in Israel um, into captivity. Leaving a lot of those that they felt weren't really worth the trouble, leaving them behind. And, uh, and, and Jeremiah ends up being one of those left behind. A few years later, those that remained in Israel decide that they're going to try and overthrow Babylonian rule. And they're going to do this by conspiring with Egypt. There was a, there was a, a real battle to have the biggest empire. The two major world powers at that time was Egypt and Babylon. And they were vying for territory. And so uh, basically the people that were left behind in Israel, they go to the competitors. They go to the opposition. They go to Egypt and they say, will you help us overthrow Babylonian rule? And so the Egyptians come to try out. It doesn't, it doesn't work out that well. And they end up abandoning the scene, leaving the Babylonians upset and angry. And they come back to Israel with a vengeance. Now they're taking everyone into captivity except for a few destitute and poor people. They are, they're taking everyone. They've now had enough of these Israelites. They end up destroying the temple and leaving the land of Israel desolate. Everyone's in chains and they are being marched off to a foreign land. In life, we often feel this way. I'm sure you felt this way that many times life feels desolate. It feels like we've been ransacked. It feels, like, it feels like we've been stripped of our possessions and of our joy and of our future. It feels, now I know of so many people that lost their jobs this week. I know of companies that have closed down. I know that of stock markets crashing. I know of people that don't know what tomorrow holds. Jeremiah and the people of Israel felt this way. They're locked in chains and they're being marched away. And when we feel these moments, when we encounter these moments, very real moments, we cry out in agony to God because the security that we believed that we had, the comfort zones that we had created for ourselves turned out to be false. They were an illusion. They were a fallacy. The truth is this, for everybody watching this, no matter how much we, we constantly are trying to produce that security, there is no security in this world. In a moment, everything can change. And we've just encountered that in our world right now. And we hate this. Instead of being sharply distinguished in nice little neat boxes, we find that things are often hopelessly muddled. What's going on at any particular time is almost never exactly clear. I have a digital wristwatch um, on, my, on my wrist here. And for all of its technical accuracy, I mean, it could tell me how many calories I burned since I started this message. But for all of its technical accuracy, it can never tell me whether I'm at the beginning, at the middle, or at the end of an experience. This watch does not tell me when the coronavirus pandemic will end. It can only tell me the time at this moment. And that's why living well in this world, in the way that Jeremiah did, requires only one thing, faith. The only way to live well, 
The only way to have true grit, the only way to live in true hope is to have faith in God, is to know who he is, to know his love, to know his character. And, and it, it propels us forward. You see, the, the thing is, is that people prefer for faith to be this abstract thing because it requires less commitment as long as it's just a quote on Instagram. But it's actually very practical. It affects how you live daily. It looks like a relationship with Jesus. And that's just one thing you can't fake. That's one thing that you can't, that you, you can't take a shortcut to. You, you can post all the Instagram pictures of scriptures and your Bible devotions and, and things as you want. You can, you can stick up pictures, Christian pictures on your wall. You can, you can fill out uh, you know, uh, memorandums and, and referendums and everything saying, I'm a Christian ticking. I'm a Christian. I'm, this is who I am. I fall into this statistic. Statistics and quotes and posts don't give you a relationship with Jesus. It actually requires you personally surrendering your heart to him, meeting with him, walking with him. It's something very real. It requires trusting in Jesus from the depth of who you are, from the depth of your soul in an authentic way. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself, and the peace that you so desperately seek will elude you. For some reason, though, we'd rather wrestle in our flesh than rest in Jesus. We ignore the invitation of Jesus to enter into his rest, to allow him to take control. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight, And I'm going to read this from, uh, from the, uh, the uh, Message Bible. Um, but it says, it says, come to me, all you who are, who are, sorry, I'm going to read this from the ESV. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what for your souls? Rest. That's the true rest. That's the only place we find true rest. In Jeremiah 17 verse 5, God echoes the same message to the people of, of Israel. He says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like the trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. They never stop, no matter what their circumstances. The problem for us as people is that we prefer to trust in what we can figure out. We choose what we can control. And it often derails our journey of faith, authentic faith. In essence, we get tired of living by faith. Faith often feels like it has less clarity. But there are certain things, there are major things that get clarified through faith. The difference is that the clarities of faith don't get impressed on us or imposed on us from the outside. It's something that grows within us. It's organic and it's personal and it takes time. It comes through a journey. It comes through a process. The clarity isn't immediate. It's not just a copy and paste principle that you say, okay, that's how we do things. No, it's a walk with Jesus that allows things to slowly come into focus for you to begin to trust him from the depths of your heart. And all of a sudden, there's more clarity than you could ever have dreamed of 
but the clarity is something that grew. It said in the final part of that verse that, that, that their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Fruit is something that grows. It takes time. And so there is clarity. But it's not a clarity from the outside. It's something that God does on the inside. I love what Bob Goff says. He says, hope isn't all the things that we're wishing for. It's all the things God is turning us into. God is doing something on the inside of us. Where does that that clarity come from? The clarity of faith that's organic and personal, not mechanical or institutional. It doesn't eliminate the muddle of this world, but it invades it. Where do we get that clarity from? Here's how the Bible says it in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, beholding Jesus, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. By that same image, as we behold Jesus, as we look at Him, as we focus on Him, we begin to see Jesus. I I love what Job 42 verse 5, Job goes through so much calamity. He loses everything in his life. And in this process, he begins to, to hear from God. God speaks to him and reveals himself to him in the midst of his calamity. And in verse, uh, chapter 42, verse 5, Job says this. He says, I had heard of you, God, by the hearing of the ear. I had heard things about God. I'd heard philosophies. I'd heard theologies. I'd heard you know, all kinds of perspectives. But now my eyes have seen you. And that's what God wants for us. God wants us to see him and to know him. That's the clarity. It doesn't matter how blurry life gets out here. What matters is, do you have a clear vision of Jesus in here? Do you see him? Do you know him? What matters is the revelation that we have of the depths of his love. Right at the end of Jeremiah's life, the Babylonians have captured Israel now, including Jeremiah. They're all in chains, only leaving a handful of outcasts behind, the ones deemed not worthy of of even taking along, and they're being marched off to Babylon just as Jeremiah warned. But when, when they're less than 10 kilometers out of the city, all of a sudden, the entire procession gets halted. There's a message, a personal message from King Nebuchadnezzar, the world conquering King Nebuchadnezzar. He has a message for the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah has lived in obscurity. This is a crowning moment for Jeremiah. All of a sudden, we want this vindication. Yes, this is how the story should go. This is how it should end. And the captain is handed a message from King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, uh, the, the captain walks over to Jeremiah and says, the king has sent a message to you. Here's the message to Jeremiah. He gives Jeremiah an option. And he says to him, Jeremiah, I know you've been outcast by your people, but I believe there's something special about you. So I'm I'm inviting you to come to Babylon, and I will offer you special treatment. I will give you a a royal pension, a royal guard. You will have your own bodyguard. You will be honored in the Babylonian court. Um, you You will not want for anything for the rest of your days. You will be looked after if you come to Babylon from a special, by a special allowance from the king. At the age of 65, Jeremiah has now been preaching the gospel for over five decades. And this is finally the honor that he's been waiting for, the, you know, the, this, this offer of an easy retirement, 65 years old. 
He can live honored, as an honored man in Babylon, living on a generous pension after a life of ridicule and exclusion. This would be the ultimate vindication for Jeremiah. And I'm sure um, you, like me, I'm like, take it, Jeremiah. You've run your race. You've done well. Take the package. Go to Babylon. Live a good life. You deserve it. The other option was that he could go back to Jerusalem. He could go back to this desolate, broken down place with just a handful of poor and destitute people. What does Jeremiah choose? Well, it turns out Jeremiah wasn't ready for retirement. It turns out that Jeremiah hadn't grown tired of living by faith. He had for far too long, he had been trained by the Holy Spirit, by the events that he'd been through, by the circumstances of his life. He had been trained skillfully, masterfully, and completely to trust in God's grace. And it doesn't matter how old he gets or what the offer of an easy retirement may look like. He does not stop trusting in God. So what does he choose? He makes his choice immediately. Immediately he goes, I choose the rubble. I choose the outcasts. I choose the poor. I choose the faith. I choose faith. What a crowning moment for Jeremiah. You know, if we ever wondered about his integrity, he goes back to his homeland, even though it is in ruins, and even though he's been offered an easy retirement. What a great way to end the book. What a fulfilling conclusion to this story of Jeremiah. Except it's not the end. Except it's not the end of the book. Those that remain behind in Jerusalem, Jeremiah uh, has his chains removed and he goes back to Jerusalem. And those that remain are tired of living by faith. They're not like Jeremiah. They're not trusting in God. Even after God speaks to them, and, and you can almost hear the, the invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11, um, you know, kind of pre-echoed, if I can put it that way, in, in the scripture. In Jeremiah 42, verse 9 to 10, it says, Thus says the Lord of God to Israel, speaking to Israel, saying, To whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. I will grant you mercy that he may have mercy on you and let you remain in your own land. God is saying he is going to, he is going to speak to, uh, to, to the, the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar and, and allow the people to be established there. God says, I'll do this for you. Just trust in me. He continues in Jeremiah 42. Verse 13, but if you say, God now saying to them, we will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord and your God and saying, no, we will go to the land of Egypt where we, sh where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet or be hungry for bread and we will dwell there. Then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. What did they cho choose? What did they choose? Did they choose to live by faith, to trust in God? To remain faithful where God told them to be? No, they chose security. They wanted safety. They wanted no uncertainty. They wanted to, to so, so they, they literally choose to go back to the land that God had delivered them out of before. They chose the e easy way out. Not faith, not trust, but the safety and security of Egypt. The thing about Egypt is, in Egypt at that time, everything was neatly defined and precise. 
the geographical landscape was neatly split by the River Nile, splitting the country into two, giving provision to people on both sides of the river. There was always produce. There was always security in their food source. The pyramids stood out from the background with precise and clean lines. The religion of Egypt was neatly packaged into symbols and images that could be understood. And it was a religion of complete control. There was no space for mystery. The social hierarchy was very clearly understood and very determinately um, enforced. It was nice. It was neat. It was clean. There was no faith required. How often do we, Anchor Church, choose Egypt instead of faith? Our own ability above God's word. Clever strategies before waiting on God. God says in moments like this, what I need you to do is I need you to be still and know that I am God. That's that's what God invites, to trust in him. The problem with the religion of Egypt and, and, and the clarity of Egypt as a metaphor is that the clarity only lasts as long as the meeting. The moment the meeting is over, the reality ends. The clarity ends. There's no deepening reality as much as it is a vacation from reality. See, our faith is not a vacation from reality. It's a deepening reality, the reality of God's presence in our lives. And so as we face hardship, we don't deny it. We don't walk away from it. It, it. it does frustrate me when Christians do this. Just be positive and everything will go away. No, we can say what the problem is, but we can hope in God in the midst of the problem. We don't have to be reality deniers. We only trust in a deeper reality, the deepening reality of God's presence in our lives. Because the things that are seen are temporal. They're there, but they're temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal, and they are with God. Where do we find Jeremiah at the end of his life? Crowned with honor, living in a beautiful villa, you know, set on the hills of a lovely vineyard, uh, enjoying the fruit of decades of faithful work. We want to know if Jeremiah ends up being successful because that tells us that if we live well and courageously like he did, then we will also be successful. And we want to know, does that formula work? On the converse, if he didn't end up successful, then we know that as much as integrity you know, might be important and faith might be important, deep down we're like, maybe we should find another way to success. Does Jeremiah's journey end up in success? Well, it's kind of like the spinning top in Inception. It doesn't fall over. It ends before we know whether or not he had the kind of success that we want him to have. What happened to Jeremiah? Where do we find him at the end of his life? We find him with his people now in Egypt, still preaching God's word to a contemptuous people, still surrounded by those who treat him badly, continuing on faithfully, courageously, selflessly. A towering life, terrifically lived, a life of faith in the midst of obscurity. I think for my own life, I always thought that if I did what God asked me to do, if I was faithful, if I lived courageously, I was going to end up on the top of a hill somewhere. I was going to end up honored and affirmed 
And people would look at me and go, look at that faithful man. Turns out that real life and a journey with God, that's not his top priority. That's not what, that's not what being faithful and living a good life looks like. It doesn't look like just being at the top of a ladder. And I've become increasingly disillusioned in my lifetime with, with the pursuit of success. What I want to do is I want to live well. I want to be who God called me to be. I want to love my family. I want to come to the end of my life and say, God, I lived the life you called me to live. I was faithful to complete the journey, to run the race. And it doesn't matter who knows and who doesn't know. It doesn't matter if I end up my life in a place of obscurity or in, or, or in some different place. It really doesn't matter where I end up. What matters is that you're with me, God. And I've taken care of and looked after and remained faithful to things that really have eternal value, living by faith. Anchor Church, God has more for us. I want to encourage you to stop making travel plans to Egypt. Stop trying to climb the hill. Stop trying to get up the ladder. Stop trying to, to make something of yourself. And instead, allow God to speak to you about who He has created you to be, about the journey and the path that He has for your life, about the things that, that He wants you to walk in. And, and, and as we trust in Him, we, like Jeremiah, begin to live towering lives of faith, trusting in the grace and the goodness of God, fulfilling the calling that God has in our lives, no matter what it looks like. And that's how Jeremiah life, Jeremiah's life ends. He ends up neither shot nor married. <laughs> he ends up with no definitives. We don't know what happened after that. But what we do know is that Jeremiah got up every single day and continued trusting in Jesus, continued trusting in God, continued walking in the way that God had set out before him. And that's what we get to do. There's so many voices. There's so much noise in our world right now. So many, things, so many people are saying so many different things. Here's what you need to do in order to find rest. Come to Jesus. Come to the heart of God. Be still. Trust in him. Believe in him. And wake up every morning, not to just face another difficult day, but to meet with the Lord and to walk in the strength that he gives you. If we do this, we will never give up. God's grace will cause us to run with horses and we will fulfill absolutely the call of God on our lives. That's our prayer for you. That's my prayer for each one of you. It's my prayer for myself. God, help me fulfill the calling that you have for me. Help each person in our community do the same. We believe that God is with you to do just that. I want to go ahead now and pray for us as we close today um, with this stream and with this message. And, uh, and, I, and I trust that this will encourage you. Let's go ahead and pray.